Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Randy Mitchell. Jesus said to his disciples, Ye are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Salt and Light confronts the difficult and often controversial issues that affect today's culture. The only hope for this generation is for more people to follow Jesus Christ and for his followers to be salt and light in their community. Pastor Randy will discuss the Bible solutions to help us know what God says about the problems we face today. Salt and Light is a ministry of Temple Baptist Church in Statesville, North Carolina. Here's your host, Pastor Randy Mitchell. Welcome to Salt and Light. It is a joy and a privilege to be with you here this morning. I'm joined with my, uh, by my trusty sidekick, Brother Max Robinson. Haven't had you on Salt and Light for the last, uh, has it been three weeks or so? I think so. All right. Welcome back. Yeah, it's good to be back. Yeah. How's life? It's last three weeks have been good. All right. Still vertical. <laughs> Still vertical. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm glad to have you back. I always enjoy uh, hosting Salt and Light, uh, us working together. It's always, uh, we always have a great time and appreciate you being with us here today. I had, um, uh, we're going to get into our topic here shortly, but I, I've been kind of praying about whether to share this testimony over the to our radio listeners, and um, I had it on my notes here, you know, consider sharing it. And so I just kind of just in my spirit got a green light to share this. I think I mentioned it to you uh, the other day. We were over in the Asheville area. Some of our listeners know that uh, it was 30, uh, 38 years ago when I got right with the Lord. And I've shared this testimony, a little brief bits of it here and there throughout the years on Salt and Light. And 38 years ago, I got right with God. We were living in Weaverville, North Carolina, just north of Asheville, out on Reams Creek Road. And my dad had purchased a mobile home and a little, just a little private uh, trailer park uh, up in the mountains, uh, out in the country. And, uh, and we lived there. We only lived there for less than a year before mom and dad moved back to Idaho. But uh, we were going to uh, my current father, or he was my, became my father-in-law, and it was in his church. And it was while we lived there that God was convicting me, and I knew I needed to get right with God. And there was a little place out in the woods where I went, walked down there, and that's where I prayed and got right with the Lord. And when my life totally, drastically, dynamically changed directions, and I'm so thankful for that. My son lives down that road. In fact, he lives several miles past that place. And we were driving by it the other day when we were in Asheville. And I just said to my wife, I want to pull in here and I want to see it. So I pulled in there. All the trailers, all the mobile homes were gone from this park and all the grass was grown up. And I go, wow, that's sad. What's what's going on? And so I went ahead and drove down the, uh, this little uh, drive where the place in the woods was, and I just kind of looked over there, and it brought back some memories, uh, made some of those things vivid, and kind of tripped down memory lane what God did for my heart back then. Came back around, and as we were leaving the, the former mobile home park, this guy comes walking down the hill, and I thought, well, maybe he's just this coincident. So I'm turning around, getting ready to leave. I look in my rearview mirror and he's just kind of waving at me like, wait, wait. So I roll my window down. He comes up to the window. He says, can I help you? And I said, well, I said, no. I said, we were just looking here. I said, I used to live in the trailer that was parked right there. 
And he said, what's your name? And I told him, and I said, my dad uh, uh, put a trailer there, and he said uh, he, he remembered my dad, Dale Mitchell. And he said, I remember your dad. He said, uh, my dad, he said, my dad's passed away, and, but he was, this gentleman was about three or four years older than me, but he remembered talking to his dad about my dad because my dad used to go out into the woods. I didn't know this, Brother Max, until this past Tuesday that the same place where, where I prayed and got right with the Lord is the same place where my dad would go out into the woods and pray and read his Bible. And I didn't know that. And it just really, it touched my heart. It blessed my heart. I said, thank you, Lord. And uh, uh, very thankful for my dad. And uh, they remembered his Christian testimony and what a difference that he made in their life. And I was just reminded that God does things so oftentimes we see all of the highlights. But most of what God's doing never makes it in a book, never makes it in a sermon. never is something that draws any fanfare. Uh, God's not trying to get attention. He's just doing things for his glory and his honor. And it just it was just a precious, precious memory. And it made, it made that vivid what God had done in my life. And it's just, it's almost like kind of a little bit of a revival going on in my heart right now. And I think it's a great testimony. And, you know, in scripture, you see, you know, like Bethel, I mean, that was a place. I was thinking that this morning. That was my and, Bethel. And you have that in Scripture. And I know it's, it's places, it's real estate. But is what made it a Bethel, what made it special, was that generational history of a caring father, loved a son, praying for him, God bringing you to that place. And even through circumstances in life or everything, the fact that your son lives in the area... It, it's a it, it's it's an interesting thing. It the Lord does amazing things. I know. I, I I hope that that's just a little special place of geography where God's presence is, and I just uh, I, I pray that God uh, would use that location and uh, do a, do the same wonderful work in my son's heart that He did in my heart because it just it's a precious memory. I found out that all of the mobile homes are gone from there because they sold it and they're getting ready to, to turn it all into condos or apartments or something. And I thought, wow, I'm glad that I took a look at it and saw it. The timing was just so perfect. One of these days, it's gonna, that place is not going to be there to remember, right. but I will always remember it. And more importantly, God remembers what he did in my heart. And Thank God that life's not about just nostalgia. It's about what God does in our hearts and in our lives. So I'm thankful for that. I I, I didn't know if I wanted to take the time and salt and light to share that, but maybe someone out there uh, needs to have that place of Bethel. And uh, I resisted the Lord for a long time. You know, I was out in the wilderness uh, as a prodigal son, the Bible calls it the far country. I was out there for over four years, but the last year I was so miserable in conviction. And that, that uh, night and that morning, the conviction was so, so strong. And I just walked out there in desperation and just said, God, I, can't, I just can't keep living like this. And I need, 
I need your forgiveness and I want to get right with you. I, I, you know, there was a lot of things that aren't vivid in my memory. Even this guy that uh, the son of the trailer park owner, he mentioned a few things that jarred my memory. It's like, wow, I forgot about that. And I didn't remember, you know, I didn't know that. And it just, it was very, very uh, rich. Well, folks, after this break coming up here in just a, a, a short uh, minute, we're going to be talking about a topic that is very controversial. It's something that I get people asking this question frequently, uh, a common thing, and that is um, has to do with cremation versus burial. And uh, this is not one of these pivotal doctrines that just is life or death, but it is. There are some Bible principles, and it is relevant. So many things in our culture, Brother Max, that are important, that are supposed to be sacred, things like marriage, weddings, things like funerals, uh, they're not the same as they used to be. And the sacredness of them have, it's, it's just changed. And it's we'll diminished. talk more about Welcome back to Salt and Light. Uh, we are getting ready to dive into a topic that is controversial. Some people are passionate about it. I wouldn't say that I am passionate about this topic, but I certainly see this topic, Brother Max, as something that our culture is leading people in one direction. And I look at the Bible and I see that the Bible is wanting to lead us in a different direction. And that has to do with how we deal with the dead and uh, funerals and what we do with the body of the deceased. And uh, that has drastically changed here in America. America has typically been a place where, and we call it Christian burial. Mm -hmm. Many churches all throughout our countryside here in the South have uh, cemeteries associated with the church. Out west in Idaho, we didn't have cemeteries associated with churches and so that was kind of a cultural effect of being here in the bible belt area and and uh, that was new to me the first time that we moved out here but I, I think that it's a good thing we call it christian burial and yet we find that statistically in america today over 50 percent of deaths end up in cremation rather than the traditional burial and we might as well just say it right off the get-go, we know that probably the biggest reason for that, it all comes down to expense. Right. Uh, cremation yeah, it's, is... It's economics. It's economics. Cre uh, cremation is much cheaper mm -hmm. than uh, than funerals. And, and I know I've, I've, I've buried both of my parents and uh, my father-in-law. We were all part of those <coughs> funerals, the planning and arranging, and they are very expensive. And it costs a lot of money, but I guess so do weddings. And, you know, people don't mind. I mean, people, I'm amazed at what people spend on weddings nowadays. And these things used to be very sacred events that it was the most important thing was what honors God. And now it's just, you know, what's most economical, what's the cheapest way. And then like with weddings, it's become not a sacred thing. It's become a big party. And I just think that there's some things in our culture, many of these things, I wouldn't put them in the classification that, hey, these are horrible sins. But the best way I know to describe it, Brother Max, is like if you had a hospital that was a very good hospital with good doctors that were competent, was able to help people, but if you didn't have any identifying signs letting people know this is a hospital, 
then there's a lot of people that need help that wouldn't go there. And there are things in our culture and society that God has established that are signs that point people toward something that's spiritual, some that point people toward God. And I believe that when we shift away from some of those things, it's not like that this is just a horrible sin. It's more like we're taking away certain signs and, and directional uh, things that point people toward a very important spiritual truth. Right. I, I agree. And, you know, we need to definitely look at Bible principle. And, and I think you're trying to make this point right off. Is there a thou shalt not cremate in Scripture? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, you're not going to find that. But is there principle, Old Testament, New Testament? I would say absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you cannot deny what was done with our Lord, our Savior, Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Right. I mean, it was with great care that his body was sought for and properly buried and put. And even after that, right, there was the the ladies that were with Christ at that time that were going to go after the fact, again, to do more out of respect and honor, which was customary and that you saw Old Testament and New Testament. Mm-hmm. And, and so it, it definitely, there's biblical principle there. And some people make a the argument that, well, you know, it's all going back to dust. You know, the ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Well, the Bible doesn't say that. That's something that came up in, you know, some minister said that at a funeral sometime years ago, you know, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. But that's not what the Bible says. Now, God did say that from dust thou art, God made man from the dust of the ground. He said to dust you'll return. That's when Adam sinned in the garden and so forth. So, yeah, the body is eventually going to go, it's going to decay. But that doesn't mean that there aren't principles throughout the Bible in which that body being buried, it's a picture and it's a, it's a type. It's a sign of something that God, his desire is for every human after we die to, for there to be a resurrection. Mm-hmm. Now, spiritually, there's a resurrection for all, but some are going to be resurrected to the resurrection of damnation. They're going to be cast into hell, and then others are going to uh, have eternal life. Of course, if we're saved, we already have eternal life. It's just our body is going to die, but our soul is going to live forever. And so that's another theological discussion for another time. But all throughout the Scripture, you have examples in which God places a value on what we call Christian burial. Uh, Job knew about it. He said, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth, and though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God. Job knew that there was going to be a change in his human flesh, his body, at the resurrection, and that one day he would stand before God in a changed body, and so that body was being reserved. Paul knew it, talked about the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15, talked about death being a planting. You know, he likened it to a seed being sown in the ground, and you mentioned about Jesus Christ. Lazarus was dead. Uh, Joseph, uh, when he died, he told the children of Israel, I want you to carry my bones out of Egypt and take them back to the land and bury them. Abraham buried Sarah in a cave. He had to go purchase land 
just for a place to bury right. his dead out of his sight. And the list goes on and it on. It goes on. on. I mean, the Lord personally had a funeral service for Moses. That is right. I mean, if, if we want to look at what did God do, well, God personally took Moses, and it, and it says he, he took care of that. He did that. And it also says that the devil was fighting for Moses' body. Yes. And so that was in the Scripture as yes. well. So there's just so many things. Historically speaking, the burning of the body has been a pagan tradition. That's something that uh, most, you know, just all throughout history, not only back in the Bible, but just all, every culture, uh, those cultures that had the influence of God in the Bible, they typically buried their dead. Those pagans that had different gods or no gods, they would typically burn. We were in Trinidad. We took a mission trip there about, I guess it's been eight or ten years ago now. I don't remember exactly what year it was, but uh, that is, there's a lot of Hindus in Trinidad from the Indian culture that's there. And um, I would say India, the India uh, in Asia, not the, the American right. Indians, but they, uh, that Hindu culture, they, down by the sea, uh, seashore there, they would have these big, um, what's the word, there's a word for it, where they make these big wooden structures and they would put the body of the dead on the top of that wooden structure with all of the firewood and they would have just a massive burning and you could you could see that from a distance and when our people actually saw that that's probably the thing that mo had the biggest impact on everyone from that mission trip as they remembered seeing those cremations publicly and, and just how that just doesn't seem, that seems so pagan, it just seems so wrong. Well, the fact of the matter is, in a human cremation, they do the same things. They just do it behind closed doors. And they don't just put the body in a furnace. They have to put it in a furnace, and most people don't. Then they put it through this grinder that has to grind it up in powder, and there's just all kinds of things that go that that process entails. The same people that wouldn't even want a doctor to do an autopsy and cut their loved one's body open and do all of that, they don't seem to mind all that goes right. on with their body. But there's just so many things that are commonly accepted in our culture because people just don't want to face this because the economics of it is more important than the principle. Right. And sadly, you know, so much of Christianity now is going, our expediency that we're using today is, continues to be. Yeah. We drift further and further away from biblical principle on the fact of economics. Yeah. I, you know, we're not, this is not a political show, but I, I'm sick of the mantra even among Christians. It's about the economy. No, it's about God. Yeah. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about morality, immorality, just and unjust, righteous and unrighteous. Everything else needs to be weighed against that. Yeah. And as a society, and even a, a church, we just look at from a church perspective, we're not going to do well in abound the way God would have us to abound when we divest his truth with economic expediency. Yeah, ex We're missing out. Expediency, or we could use the word pragmatism, right. you know, this concept that, hey, if it works for me, or if the result is what I desire, then it must be okay. It must be of God. God blessed it and so forth, but that is now, nothing. Clearly, could a cremation. Be I don't want, and I know you don't want to give this impression that that's a 
that's a cause for eternal damnation. Yeah, please. I, absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned that. And we're getting ready to go to a break, but I want to make sure before we go to break, we're not saying that if your loved one was cremated or if you are going to be cremated, it doesn't affect the eternal destiny of your soul. Absolutely not. If you're saved, you go to heaven. If you're lost, you go to hell. That's just the clear crystal. That's the absolute, all right? That's what matters the most. But we're just simply talking about what we do with our loved ones, with the deceased. What we do, does it honor and glorify God, or are we missing an opportunity? And I know when it comes to economics, I would rather just uh, take the high road and say, hey, I want to I follow this type, this picture of what the Bible says, and I want to make sure that I'm glorifying God in what I do. I, I think that God would bless it, and he's not, he's not broke. He's got plenty of money. He can bless us and provide every need that we've ever had if we desire to glorify him. And whatever happens, he's able to resurrect. That is right. Yeah, somebody could get blown up, and yeah, all of those ashes, all those molecules. It's not denying the power of God. It's just showing what definitely is going to have a better testimony and glorify God, which we're supposed to do in our body. Amen. And I hope that uh, especially Christians here would consider these truths. And if you're not saved, the bottom line is what happens to your body is not going to be significant. What happens to your soul is what's going to matter. And so we hope that you'll consider those truths. After the break, we're going to switch topics, something that is very important. We'll join you then. All right, welcome back. We have been talking about uh, what the Bible says about cremation versus Christian burial. Uh, We're going to move on to a different topic, and, uh, you know, once again, Brother Max, I know that this is very controversial with some people, and just the fact that we talked about what the Bible says versus cremation, some people's like, "Ah, I don't want to hear that, and I knew going into this broadcast today that many people would just kind of just tune us out, but hopefully um, not everyone tuned us out, and hopefully we said some things from uh, a Bible representative. I, you know, I, God doesn't need us to represent him, but I'm glad that we are ambassadors for Christ. And it is a privilege to be able to have the Word of God and to be able to see how the Bible is relevant to everything that uh, we do in our lives. It's the final authority on all matters of faith and mm-hmm. practice. But I want to move on to another topic here uh, this morning, and I'm going to read a verse out of Proverbs chapter 18 and verse number 14, and I guarantee you that most of our listeners, Brother Max, can relate to what we're going to be talking about. I can. I, I know from fellowshipping with you that you can as well. Proverbs 18 verse 14 says, The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear. You know, I've thought about that, and there's a lot of different takes on this passage. I know the spirit of man sustaining his infirmity. Uh, There's a strong possibility that God's saying that if we have a physical infirmity, an infirmity is an injury or an illness, a weakness, uh, that the, that our spirit can sustain that. We can overcome. We can have a, a good spirit, a good attitude, a positive attitude, and all of those things that can sustain a physical infirmity. But a wounded spirit who can bear. Uh, there are, 
the longer I go in life, the more that I recognize that it's not the physical wounds that really do the most damage to people, but it's the wounds of our spirit, the inner wounds. And there's all different kinds of wounds. I don't think we can cover all of those in the broadcast today, but the fact of the matter is, is we've all sustained some wounds in our spirit. And who can bear that? It's hard to, it's hard to bear. It's hard to, as we say, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. You know, when our spirit gets wounded, oftentimes we don't know what to do for healing. And the Bible talks about what we can do, and there, are, there is hope. And if you're out there listening and you have a wounded spirit, we can call it all different kinds of things. Sometimes a wounded spirit is the root cause of depression or anxiety. We hear a lot today about PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And, uh, you know, that's not all. That doesn't just come from people who have fought over in Afghanistan and Iraq and the Vietnam veterans that are still alive. And I know the World War II veterans are getting, I don't think there's very many of them left, but people who have seen some horrible things in battle, uh, I can certainly have compassion on them for the, the wounds. Yeah, and they're real. They're real. They're absolutely real. But in life, there are also other wounds. It's not just soldiers that go to battle, but just life in general. Mm -hmm. There are people who are um, horrible victims of abuse, uh, going through grief and loss, uh, different types of heartaches and trials in life. Uh, Sometimes it can be a major thing that wounds us, but just like physically, there are different kinds of wounds. You know, there's something that just cuts you wide open and then there's just little wounds that get infected and can cause all kinds of, you know, maybe it didn't happen, maybe it wasn't some massive car wreck that you had, but maybe it was something little that just over time, it just kept on, kept that wound open and kept opening that wound until infection set in. And, you know, same thing happens with our spirit. It It can be wounded in different ways and the effect can be drastic in our life we were my wife and i we were visiting one of our um, members in the church yesterday and and this lady dear lady she's gone through a lot of things and just for the truth of this verse here's the truth of the verse so we're we're fellowshipping with her and she's gone through all kinds of hip surgeries back surgery all kinds of things and she's still dealing with one procedure that has caused some pain and she's she's smiling she's happy she says, if that's all I got to deal with in this body, I'm good. And she's smiling. And then as our conversation started changing to some other things, which weren't physically related, the real weight on her spirit and her speech could be felt. I mean, it could be felt, the, the heaviness mm-hmm. and the weight. And it's, there's such, you know, she could bear the physical thing. But she was struggling, which we all do, and looking for God's help in peace, and especially when it comes to her family and the things that is affecting them. And it's so you can't dismiss this as just, ah. Uh. And I've, I've been in some churches <laughs> recently that, you know, we just, well, we got the Bible, we got God, what's your problem? Yeah. No, there's, we, as people, we're, we have emotions and we have a spirit that can be greatly affected by things and you just can't 
dismiss that. It it needs to be, yes, dealt with with the Word of God, but it has to be discussed, and, it, and it's real, and it has to be treated as real. Yeah, people who act that way about spiritual wounds have either, A, they've never been spiritually wounded themselves, or B, they were, and they didn't deal with it, they just try to pretend that it didn't exist, not recognizing that that wound was just affecting everybody else around them, and because of the way they handled it, they became arrogant and proud. It's like, you know, as if that they are, they're the victor because they handled their right. injury better than you, and almost like it's a competition. And that is so against the gospel, against Christianity, as a whole. Right. And so, yes, our spirits get wounded. We suffer grief or loss. Last segment, we were talking about cremation versus burial. And, and I'm going to mention this. Some people will take issue with me on this. And I, I am not nitpicky about terminology, okay? I understand what people mean. So often we go to a funeral today and they say, well, this isn't a funeral. This is a celebration of life. I get it. We are, you know, somebody who's saved and they're in heaven we can celebrate their life, but the fact of the matter is the Bible talks about we're, there's nothing wrong with mourning for the dead. You know, Jesus wept over Lazarus, and we can talk about all the different reasons as to why he wept. He's getting ready to resurrect Lazarus, and, you know, we'll all be resurrected if we're saved, and in God's timing, that's just not very much time. A day with the Lord is a thousand years. But the fact of the matter is, emotionally speaking, when we lose a loved one, it's a time of mourning. It's a time of grief and loss. Yeah. And if we try to hide from that and say, oh, we're just celebrating their life, what happens is we don't deal with that wound in our right. spirit, and it doesn't. It, it never does heal. Right. And so these are very real yeah, things. exactly. You and I have a mutual friend that uh, their son lost his life for our country in Iraq. He was mm -hmm. a young man, saved young man, knew mm -hmm. the Lord, family knows the Lord. That wasn't a celebration mm -hmm. for any of us. Right. That was heavy loss. Right. And that loss is still a weight that family bears today. Yes, they have comfort knowing one day they're going to see their son again. Yeah. But it was not as, and I, again, I'm not like you. We're not trying to condemn anybody that looks at it as a celebration. And I know there's people that get into advanced age and they have suffered horrifically. And that next step into heaven is a rejoicing moment because their suffering on this earth is over. Mm -hmm. But you still love and miss them. Right. Uh, you know, as you, you knew my dad, you worked with my dad a little bit as well. And my dad was taken from us in a... Uh, uh, an auto accident. He was a pedestrian and he was hit by a 17-year-old um, teenage boy on his way to high school that morning and uh, he was taken from us and it was uh, it was devastating and I was 31 years old at the time. Uh, my daughter's seven, my son's three and it just was we're still young and mm -hmm. dad was still healthy as strong as could be and so we expected at least 20, 30 more years with him, and that was ripped out from underneath us. And during the, the visitation, when all of the, the brethren are coming over, sometimes I'd be sitting there in my, 
mom's living room and I'd just be uncontrollably weeping because of the memories that would just be flooding. And some well-meaning brethren would come by and, and just say, look at me and like say, well, well, you know, you're going to see him again. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's, you know, these are people that haven't lost a loved one. And they're thinking, like, well, you shouldn't be weeping. You're going to see him again. It's like, my dad just got killed in an accident. You know, I'm sorry. I love my dad. I want to see him now. I want to see him tomorrow. But I'm not going to see him for a long time. And people may be well-meaning, but they just didn't have that concept. And they didn't understand, you know, we're supposed to weep with them that weep, rejoice with them that rejoice. Why? Because we are spiritual beings. We are. And all, this day and age that we live in, everything's focused on the physical and on the outward. But we all have spirits. And just like we can get wounded physically, we get wounded spiritually as well. And so that's a very real thing. I think anybody listening would recognize that, yeah, I've had some wounds that, uh, that a Band-Aid or stitches weren't going to fix up. I couldn't go and get a surgery something that I didn't understand, I needed help. And so for the rest of the broadcast, I wanna talk about some things that we can do to get healing. It's, it's not enough to just say, yeah, spiritual wounds are real. How do we get healing for those wounds? And so the first thing that I wanna mention before the break coming up here in just a moment is that God, the Bible talks about this thing, uh, is there no balm in Gilead? Churchgoers have heard that said before. Many a message. That balm of Gilead. And, of course, that's always likened to the Holy Spirit of God. And our wounds in our spirit, the only answer for a spiritual wound is a spiritual answer. Uh, It's not going to be through meditation and yoga, and it's not going to be through distraction. Those might get you through a hard time, but they're never going to heal those wounds. All it's doing is just distracting Mm -hmm. and keeping you occupied so you don't think about it, but the wound has to be healed. It's a spiritual wound. The only way to to heal a spiritual wound is with a spiritual healing. And so the Holy Spirit of God is a balm in Gilead, and there are different ways in which we can apply that spiritual balm and get some healing. There may be some scars, doesn't mean when we get spiritual healing, it doesn't mean that we won't um, uh, have a limp or have be affected. Doesn't right. mean that everything's just perfect, but healing is available. And Jesus is the great physician, and uh, he has some prescriptions that he has offered yes. to us for spiritual healing. We'll talk more about it after the break. We are talking about wounded spirits and how that our inner man emotionally, if you will, can receive wounds. Um, PTSDs is certainly a spiritual wound. Um, You know, there are all kinds of effects of spiritual wounds, uh, depression, anxiety, anger issues. Uh, I know I've said this before and it is so true, hurting people hurt people. And sometimes some of the ugliest people don't necessarily mean to be ugly. They just, they're, they're wounded and they, they don't even realize what they're doing. I think about the way Jesus was treated and Jesus looked out at those people and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. 
I mean, they are hurting Jesus and rejoicing in it, and they didn't, they didn't understand what they were doing. Yeah. And there are people who have spiritual wounds that can act that way. And I know there's been times in my life where I've had a wound that uh, I'm just, I'm trying to bear it, I'm trying to deal with it, I'm trying to limp through life, and there's no way to keep that from affecting all of our relationships around us. It's gonna affect us in one way or another. And so we can't just man up and just uh, uh, stick our head in the sand like an ostrich and sweep it under the carpet and pretend that it doesn't exist. We would, if somebody had their arm cut off and they just, well, I'm just going to tough it out, we would say they're, they're a fool. You're an idiot. Go to the hospital and, you know, get that sewed back on or, uh, you know, at least get the bleeding stopped with a tourniquet so that you can survive. You may have to go through life debilitated, but at least you will still be alive. And that's what we would say to someone that has a physical wound. But spiritual wounds, we most often, we don't even, we don't understand them ourselves because we don't spend time in the Bible. You know, David, the psalmist, the man after God's own heart, the Goliath killer, the great soldier and warrior. I mean, he had it all. He was king, and there was so many positive things about him. But you read him opening up his heart. He understood what wounds of the spirit were all about, and he had to frequently go to God for healing and cry out to the Lord in weakness. Right. And um, we're not good at that as a general rule. And so there are some biblical uh, solutions for hurting. It's a spiritual thing. These wounds in our spirit, uh, we need to understand there are Bible principles that can help us. You know, you closed out the last segment, and I guess what I have to say, we'll see if it's helpful or not. But when you mentioned to me about this topic, what we're going to look at, and you closed the last segment about some of us are limping, you know, we, and even spiritually, right, in our spirit, we, mm -hmm. we are, there's been effects. And is what I think can happen, which keeps us from getting healing, is sometimes these things that affect us, we get hard and calloused. Mm-hmm. And then that becomes a, a very negative impact. You know, I believe in Romans eight twenty eight, God can use all things, right? All things work together for good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. And it's no way in advocating, let's go out and get wounded so we can <laughs> right. better serve God. I'm yeah. not saying that, but clearly you mentioned the Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't just the physical sufferings. He was God who created all things and knew the minds of men and knew their hatred, knew their deceivings, their lyings, their cunning, and everything they were trying to do to him. He knew all that, how they uh, just belittled him and, and cursed him and all these, that he suffered not just physical wounds, but clearly emotionally in his in spirit, was grieved in his spirit many times. He does understand this. But he never got hard in his spirit. Mm -hmm. And what can do that? Well, it's God the Father. It's his word that can minister to us. And I would say, as all of us, as we go through things, don't, don't ignore it. Don't get callous. Don't get hard. Go to the Lord with it. Work through it, right? Mm -hmm. So then you can have 
empathy and compassion on others that are going things like you did. Amen. And you know, Brother Max, we've talked a lot about different types of PTSDs and wounded spirits, uh, people who have been victims, people who have been hurt by others, and that's certainly a, a very real part of life. But I also know we live in a day and age where people have a victim mentality, mm-hmm. and they people can be very hypersensitive to everything. Psalm 119, verse 165 says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. And so there are some reasons. A lot of times people are hypersensitive today. And one of the wounding aspects of our spirit that we dare not overlook is the effects of sin in our life. Uh, You know, a lot of wounds that we have happen to us, but then how many times have I hurt myself by being careless or being foolish? I remember as a kid taking my pocket knife and trying to drill a hole in something, not a lock blade knife, I have scars along my knuckles right here where I'm stabbing, trying to drill a hole with my pocket knife. And you know what happens. It collapses on on your knuckles. And just I've had times where it cut it wide open. The silly thing is I've done that more than once. (laughs) And so it's it's just like sin. Sin, uh, you know, if you go and commit adultery, you may get away with it. You may not be caught by your spouse and think, oh, everything's okay. But the problem is, it wounded your spirit. It wounded your spirit, and inside in your spirit, you're just bleeding all over the place, and it needs to be healed. And the only thing that can heal that is the grace of God, repentance and forgiveness. And so a lot of people go through life. It's kind of like when I had a torn rotator cuff in my right shoulder, and, you know, I, I tried to live with it for uh, year and a half, almost two years. And there was an injury in there that wasn't going to heal on its own. It couldn't heal on its own. It had to have surgery. And so during that time, somebody could walk up and maybe just, you know, give somebody a little slap on the back. Hey, brother, how you doing? And if somebody were to hit that just right, it's like, oh, wow, that hurt. And people go through life thinking that the person who slapped me on the shoulder is the one that hurt me. But that's not the source of the hurt. The hurt was you got sin problems already on the inside that made you hypersensitive to whatever happened in life, meaning or incidental. And now all of a sudden you're you're just going around just thin-skinned and and just tender and sensitive. And it's because of foolish mistakes that you've made, sins that you haven't dealt with and allowed the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse you from that sin. Yeah, and that's, you know, I know we're not going down that road in this show, but that's where often the defense mechanism comes in, you're just being judgmental, right? Mm-hmm. And it's because of that, that's that's our reaction, right? you know, and instead of letting the Word of God and the Holy Spirit speak to us and properly deal with things and us having, at times, when it's self-induced hurt, humility and and there is healing in humility right and you know what i've found that people can be so forgiving when somebody honestly is just roger up my bad sorry it it, it's amazing what it does yeah and there's other aspects that biblical principle that we can walk through that god 
asks us or gives us opportunity to avail ourselves of that can help us through this life instead of just continuing to carry that wound, that thing. Amen. That is so true, brother. I read this just uh, not long ago, Jeremiah chapter number 6 and verse 13. Uh, Jeremiah says, For from the least of them, even unto the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness. And from the prophet, even unto the priest, everyone dealeth falsely. They have, listened to this, folks, they have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. You know, we've got people wounded spirits from sin. The preacher is supposed to be uh, like the surgeon. He's supposed to be the helper. Back in Jeremiah's day, you had preachers that were preaching peace, peace. They were telling people what they wanted to hear. They were denying. They weren't giving the people what they needed. You know, sometimes what you need, I remember growing up, we always put methylate or mercurochrome in those cuts. And that didn't feel too good. But I tell you what, they did a good job healing. And sometimes in order to get healing, you have to be willing to go through some sting. You have to be willing to go through some surgery, some uncomfortable things in order to get healing. And I wish that there were more preachers that would tell it like it is because, listen, as preachers, we're not helping people by coddling them in their sin or in, you know, by not dealing with the problem. You got to deal with it. And it's not always pleasant. It's not always comfortable. But God's way is the only way to get help in our spirit. We're about out of time. Any last thoughts, Brother Max? Uh, I would say based on these last statements you have made you know we it is important you use jeremiah as an example and jeremiah was was doing right he was teaching some things and since they wouldn't deal with it and deal with it right their reaction was to hurt jeremiah and others in the process the blame game yes and i mean literally hurt physically hurt and if we don't properly deal with these things there are others, and especially our family, our wives, our husbands, our children, that can get be casualties of our hurt. It bleeds over to everyone that we have a relationship with. Folks, uh, we trust that we've said something today that's been a help to you. There is help for your wounded spirit. It's found in Jesus Christ. Read the Bible and find out more about it. God bless you. We hope you have a great day. We appreciate you taking the time to join us at Salt and Light. It is our desire that you experience the joy of following Jesus Christ. He loves you and he died on the cross for your sins. He will give you hope, peace, and eternal life if you will repent of your sins and trust him as your savior. You may see yourself as a good person, but you will never be good enough to deserve heaven. You may see yourself as bad, but you can never be too bad for Jesus to forgive you you can call upon him to save you this very moment. If you are a born-again Christian, we want to encourage you to obey Christ's command and be salt and light to those around you. We encourage you to find a Bible-believing church that does not compromise or water down the Bible and get involved serving the Lord. If you have a Bible question or a particular issue you would like us to discuss on Salt and Light, visit our website at templebaptistnc.com click on the salt and light link. Once again, that's templebaptistnc.com.